Now we know that finding the perfect non-alcoholic drink can sometimes feel like a major challenge, but we've discovered something that's about to knock your socks off and your taste buds too. Go Brewing. Did you know Go Brewing was rated number one, number one, Michaela, for non-alcoholic beer in the country and rightly so. Fun fact. All of their beers fall under the gluten-free guidelines, so you won't get that gross, bloated feel that you sometimes can get when you're drinking, let's be honest. Plus, all their brews without fruit have less than one gram of sugar. Because we want to feel sexy and sober and have fun, Go Brew is the perfect choice for us. And who says beer isn't sophisticated? When you could just put it in a champagne glass like I do. My favorite at the moment is the Sunshine State Tropical IPA from Go Brewing. It's the mango and peach flavor. As a listener, you can save 15% by going to brewing.com slash sobergirls or by using the code sobergirls. Plus, get a free two-day shipping on orders of $40 or more. Again, go to brewing.com slash sobergirls or use our code sobergirls for 15% off. Okay, can I be honest here? Yes. I used to rely on alcohol for a lot of things, including managing my PMS symptoms like anxiety, irritability, feeling blue, ugh, huge mistake. However, as a sober girl today, that is obviously not an option, but have no fear. Ladies, we found a solution to our PMS woes, alcohol so not needed. Enter Jubilance, your daily support and new BFF when it comes to true and effective PMS relief. It's so simple. Just take one capsule a day and keep your symptoms at bay. If you're interested in trying it, you can use the code SOBERGIRLS for $10 off your first order. I've noticed I have more energy, focus, less cravings, and my mood feels so much more balanced. Jubilance is a non-hormonal available over-the-counter and powered by two-ingredient formula used by thousands of women worldwide to live PMS mood symptom-free. Think less anxiety, less irritability, more peace, power, and dare I say, fun all month long. Try Jubilance for $10 off by visiting jubilance.com forward slash sobergirls or use the promo code sobergirls at checkout. That's J-U-B-I-L-A-N-C-E dot com slash sobergirls for $10 off. Welcome to a new episode of Two Sober Girls. I am your host, Erin, with my amazing co-host, Michaela. And today, we are thrilled to have one of our um, mastermind members um, and an incredible human, Tay, on with us. And Tay Genron is known as Tay or the Anxiety Nutritionist. Um, She is holistic nutritionist, gut and hormonal health educator, a yoga and meditation teacher, oh my, this is so good, Ty, who struggled for years with generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, and depression before discovering the vital role diet, digestive, and hormonal health plays in mental health. I can relate to everything in that sentence. Today, she helps women break up with their chronic anxiety, panic attacks, and drastically improve their mental health through the powerful combination of food, lifestyle changes, nutraceuticals, gut and hormonal health optimization, nervous system regulation, yoga, meditation, mindset and lifestyle coaching. Yay! (laughs) We need everything. I'm like, okay, I cannot wait to dig in because that was me pre-sobriety and you are just, oh my God, so many things that we want to talk to you about. So welcome. We're thrilled to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited. We're finally doing this. So pumped. 
I love following you on Instagram. Yes. I find that your content is so educational. It's so inspiring. And for someone that's been in the space for a really long time, I, I still learn new things and I've learned a few new things with you. And, but I also find that like, we have a lot of things in common, which is so much fun. And I didn't know you were a yoga meditation teacher, which is so cool. You didn't? Oh, you do yeah. all the things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I basically, once I healed and eliminated my anxiety disorder, panic disorder and depression, I was just like, I want to become an expert in everything that helped me. And yoga and meditation was a really big piece of the puzzle. And so, and I, I feel always, the same way. Yeah. I'm and yoga, I always yeah. say my yoga teacher training is the hardest thing I've ever done. Like the... And not the physical aspect, although that is hard, as you know, because you have to do so many hours, but the studying of the yoga sutras and putting that into practice was just one of the hardest, but the best things I've ever done for myself. It is. <sighs> so let's, let's rewind. Let's go back. Yes. Share with us your story and how you got to be an anxiety coach, like share us your story with anxiety. And, you know, since we're a sober podcast, like how does alcohol tie into that? And mm -hmm. you coming into our mastermind. And I'd also love to know, how do you define anxiety? Because I feel like anxiety can mean different things for many people. It can mean nervousness. It can mean racing thoughts. It can mean panicky, right? Like, how do you define it? I love that question. <laughs> okay, let's start with my story and then all we'll of, talk about yes, all the yes. definitions of anxiety. So um, it's actually really funny because I never... I ended up here because of my mental health. I never in a million years like thought I would be a nutritionist. I didn't even know what a nutritionist was. <laughs> I wanted to be a lawyer for as long as I can remember. I thought I was going to be a lawyer. My best friend and I were going to go to law school in London, England. She is a lawyer in London. She did go to law school in London, England. So that was her life trajectory. And mine just took me down another path. And so I was in my undergraduate degree. And it was around the time I started studying for LSATs that my someone in my family died of suicide. And that was the second person within a year and a half, two years that I was close with that had taken their life. And I had, so I was in the library, my mom called me and it was December, studying for December exams. She called me, obviously I'm so upset I go home to be with my family because I'm at school, which is about four and a half, five hours away from where I grew up, where my family is. So I go home to be with my family. And then in January, about a month later, I'm back at school and I, I didn't take any of my exams. Obviously, I, I moved to them until January. And then I started and then I had my first panic attack. And anyone who's ever had a panic attack for the very first time, you have no idea what it is and you think it's a heart attack, right? Like your arms numb, it's tingling, you can't breathe, you're sweating, you feel dizzy. And I had a, a good friend of mine at the time who was in pre-med and I called him and I said, I think I'm having a heart attack. And he was like, you're probably not having a heart attack, you know, but go to the, go to the hospital anyway. So I put myself in a cab went to the hospital. They did all the tests and they said, you're fit as a fiddle. You're perfectly fine. I was 21 at the time. And they said, you probably had like a panic attack. Like, do you have anxiety? And I had never heard of anxiety before. Like this was 20, 2011. So I, I, 
I was just like, what's that? <laughs> like, no, I don't have that thing. Like, what are you talking about? I knew about depression because obviously my family member and multiple people that I had known at this point um, who either struggled with depression, there were other family members of mine who are on medication. So I knew about depression and I knew about mental health kind of, but I had never heard about anxiety. And so, you know, I did what everybody does, I think, when they're first told that they might be struggling with an anxiety disorder. And I went to my family doctor and he put me on some medication and I went to therapy. So for four years, I tried about four different types of medication before I ended up on Prozac. And I went to therapy every two weeks. I was doing cognitive behavior therapy, so CBT, which I hated. It really is like the gold standard. And it's I'm not saying it doesn't work. But for me at 21 years old, it wasn't working. Like I was already in school. I had this book of homework I had to do for my therapist that I didn't really click with my therapist. I thought she was judging me. (laughs) So it just wasn't working. And instead of getting better, I got worse until I ended up on the highest daily dose of Prozac. I had gained about 20 pounds. I always say I just felt like a zombie. Like I wasn't, I didn't feel anything. Like I wasn't happy. I wasn't sad. It was just like everything was muted and gray. Um, And the anxiety was getting worse and worse. The panic attacks were getting worse and worse. I was having about three panic attacks a week minimum. Um, I ended up I ended up self-medicating. So that's when I started to drink a lot. I did drink a lot in high school, but I started to self-medicate with alcohol and drugs. And I ended up addicted to my benzos. I had Ativan because I developed insomnia, so I couldn't sleep. And the only thing that could help me sleep was knocking myself out with Ativan which is highly addictive, which my doctor recognized and said, you know, you're blowing through this prescription, what's going on? And ended up, he decided not to continue to prescribe me Ativan. And that was kind of my rock bottom. You know, everyone's rock bottom is a little bit different, but mine was two big things happened. So I was partying excessively and self-medicating and one of my best friends went to rehab. And so when she went to rehab, I was kind of like, oh my gosh, like I'm next because I was, I thought I was just like her. When she got out of rehab, we had conversations. I, I understood it was much worse than, but I thought we were doing all the same things. We were at all the same parties. We were doing the same drugs. So that was a very big eye opener for me. And then the next thing that happened was my psychiatrist stopped my Ativan prescription. And the first thing I did was connect with a bartender friend of mine and was just like, He was like, don't worry, I can get it for you. Like, I know someone who can write like a shady prescription and don't worry. And that was kind of when I was like, is this going to be the rest of my life? Like, I'm illegally going to be buying Ativan. Like, I got to figure this out, you know? So luckily I had ended up, I had been with a bunch of different therapists. And then my final, not the one I'm with now, the one before, he was a psychiatrist. And I really trusted him. I really connected with him. He was older. He was 75. He was close to retirement. He had this toupee and he would always like brush his toupee. (laughs) He was really blunt. Like he would just call me out on my bullshit. I walked out of his office a few times because I didn't like what he said. Um, But I always came back. And I think I respond very well to tough love. And there was just something about how he was so brutally honest with me and he didn't dance around anything. And he kind of called me out. And when I I told him, I said, listen, 
you're not going to give me Ativan anymore. This is what I did. This is how I reacted. Like I can buy it illegally, but I don't want to, like, I don't want that to be my life, you know? And so that's when he said, okay, you need to come off medication. Like this is not working for you. Like you're getting worse and worse. You're not getting better. And he said, medication doesn't work for everybody. And that was the first person to tell me that like in the medical space four years later. Um, And he said, you know, have you ever looked at your diet or your gut health? And again, I was like, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, if if this worked, people would have told me about it before now, you know? And obviously, it wasn't part of his education and training, so he couldn't tell me much. But he just said that he had plenty of patients who were not on any medication and were, you know, completely managing their mental health and thriving. And they did that through changing their diet, looking at their gut health, taking supplements. And so... That's what started. This was the end of 2014 when this happened. And then 2015, that whole year was kind of the year of discovering the world of holistic health. So I transitioned off my medication. I Googled everything and tried everything. And then my Googling eventually brought me to the Institute of Holistic Nutrition, where I just kind of on a whim, it was like a gut feeling. I I was just like, yep, this program is it. I'm just going to sign up for this program. And I still thought I was going to be a lawyer. I still thought that I was going to go take this nutrition program. I was going to get better. And then I was going to go meet my bestie in London at law school. And of course, what happened was I took the nutrition program. My entire life changed. And I realized, wait a minute, this is what I should be doing because there's other women out there who are struggling and men as well. I work with women right now um, and they need to know this information. And that's how I became a nutritionist. (laughs) I'm upset. Like I and I love your there's so many things, but your last doctor, therapist, psychiatrist, love him. Oh, I love him. He changed my life. Like I don't know where I'd be without him. The fact that he was the only one, and first of all, I have so many notes. (laughs) Is love. Okay, there's no such thing. You are being justified into an addiction that would have killed you, die, Tay. And those are another podcast, but that's bananas. Mm -hmm. just you are a miracle and always in life the pain the obstacle is the way like that was your divine path to end up here to then heal yourself so you could go out there and spread this truth like wait a second your body wants to heal you have these neurochemicals in your brain that are just starving that you just need the right nutrition and you can feel so much better without any medication like why don't we teach this to kids in kindergarten like I, this is why like this is why Michaela and I are like ah, screaming <laughs> just want everyone to know this and it's wild too everyone's on something so you could go to any friend and be like i need this i can't sleep versus let's be inside out and heal and i mean oh my god just michaela like her story i love this story and it just reminds me of there are sort of like these two camps you're either on this camp of like trusting the doctor you know, they're not talking about nutrition, you're kind of like at their mercy, right? Like, going with that, and you were not even progressing, right? And then there's this other camp, like once you jump over into the wellness space, and this is why like, I I, I mean, I will preach about wellness for the rest of my life. And while it looks like all of us, because I know all of us put in the work, it looks like all all we're doing is wellnessy things, right? That's what it looks like. But in fact, 
what it is, it's like, we have the energy to do so we know it makes us feel better and actually like enhances every area area of our life. And it's like, instead of like us swapping pills, we're like, Oh, you got to try this, you got to, you know, like you, you know, one of the things I picked up from you Tay was like, okay, add in beans into your diet. And it's like, that is like my medicine. You know I what know. I mean? Like, I'm obsessed of- with beans. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get into the nutrition part. Yes. But I just find that you know, for anyone listening, you don't need to be a wellness expert to live a healthy life. I don't think any of us were in a space where we thought we'd be teaching about this, like where I was unhealthy, I was addicted, I was going out, I was not, you know, doing all of the wrong things. But there comes a time where you're like, okay, that does not work. You know, and if you're at that place, and you know, it doesn't, it's just all you need is that next step. For me, it was yoga as well. I, I, I learned yoga that got me into wellness that got me into eating healthy. And it's like, it's step by step by step by step where you will f- probably find yourself like, you know, helping others as well. Because if you've been on that other side, you know, the pain that it feels like to live with, you know, but let's, yeah. So you were able to, how did you get off of your medication medication yeah so uh because I had this psychiatrist who was extremely supportive of me coming off medication I'm so grateful for that because that's hard to find and there's a lot of um I think the last time I saw the stat was 75 percent of prescribing physicians who prescribe mental health medication they're not actually psychiatrists they're like ER doctors or family doctors or pediatricians and they're not actually fully trained they don't know what other questions to ask before prescribing medication it's not part of their education and they're also not properly trained on how to transition someone off medication so super grateful that i landed with this psychiatrist because like it's a two-year waiting list where i'm from to even get in with somebody like this because it is covered by our health care but because he was so old and he was transitioning out of practice he was only taking on people that he didn't see as more serious cases in case one day he was like I'm done my practice is closed these people wouldn't be like oh my gosh you know so basically anyone who didn't have suicidal ideations and I kept slipping through the cracks of finding help because I didn't have suicidal ideations but I was still struggling so much and so I kind of always got pushed to the bottom of the list so the reason I bring this up is because having somebody who can support you through the transition is really important because if you have withdrawal symptoms, if you don't have somebody telling you this is normal, this is why this is happening, you think that that's a sign that you aren't able to come off the medication. Like you think you're having a relapse. You think because all the symptoms of um, withdrawals from SSRIs mimic all the symptoms of anxiety, panic, depression. And it's because the change in the brain from these neurotransmitters coming off medication is so drastic because medication is increasing this neurotransmitter level, not production. It's just keeping them stuck in the brain longer to a level that you'll never naturally produce on your own and you don't have to naturally produce on your own. But the medication is raising it to such a high level that when you start to come off of it and if you're not doing it so slow, like so, 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 so slow. How long did it take you? Months. Like it took me six months and I was still, I had withdrawal symptoms because I didn't know what I know now. And what were the withdrawal symptoms? Brain zaps, 
trouble sleeping, nausea, dizziness, sweaty palms, heart palpitations, which is all symptoms of anxiety, panic, right? All of that stuff. It was basically just, I just had all the symptoms I always had, but they were kind of amplified or some of the symptoms that the medication did actually help with, those were coming back as I transitioned off. I was so irritable. Like I I had moved back home because one of the things that my psychiatrist and I decided was I was going to leave the city I was in. I was going to leave the restaurant industry. I was bartending at the time. I was going to move back home with my parents, you know, use that financial support where I don't have to pay for rent. I And then I nannied for uh, a year and a half, two years um, as I was kind of taking care of myself. So a very wholesome job. <laughs> hey, I did the same thing. I was a bartender really? and I nannied as well. Oh this gosh. is just wild. <laughs> yeah, but it helps. Yeah. So that yeah, was I had to help. completely change my environment. Yeah. And I would literally go to work, work with these kids, come home and just like either pass out or just kind of read about juice cleansing or healthy eating and just really focus on nourishing my body and stayed away from, I didn't go out with my friends as much on the weekend and tried to really just focus on myself. What I know now is it before you come off medication, you actually want to one support all the deficiencies that the medication is creating. So, you know, uh, magnesium, B vitamins, the way it's impacting the liver, you want to give the body that replenishment and that nourishment for at least three months. You want to focus on gut health for as long as it takes based on your imbalances. I usually say about three to six months. You want to essentially stabilize the body first. And you, I developed an anxiety disorder for a reason. It wasn't because of those deaths, right? Like, sure, that might have been the straw that broke the camel's back. And that might have been the trigger. But I wasn't eating well before that. I was staying up really late. I was drinking a lot, right? I mean, I was young, I was 21. I wasn't giving my body what it needed. And the body is amazing. And it'll cope for as long as it'll cope until it's like, no, I'm done. (laughs) And so there's a lot of people will be like, oh, well, my anxiety was triggered by XYZ. That's just the straw that broke the camel's back. That's not the full picture of why you have anxiety. So before transitioning off medication, it's really important to address the body-based imbalances that created this symptom of chronic anxiety and panic attacks in the first place. And if I had done that, I wouldn't have had the withdrawal symptoms that I had. Um, This is the work I do with my clients if they want to come off medication is we do the work before they transition off and then they transition off so slowly and they either have minimal, minimal, minimal withdrawal symptoms or there's no withdrawal symptoms at all. So, you know, hindsight. And that makes sense. That makes sense. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I just want to point out thing. So what we're hearing here is get expert support. Like don't just go cold turkey. Like we really recommend you're going to an expert to help you, to guide you, to hold your hand. And Tay, everything that you just described, your withdrawal symptoms, that was me in early recovery. Mm-hmm. And I like, I can so relate to like, it was that first 30 days. I didn't know if I was going to make it. And I say this often, I made it because I have two children. I white knuckled. It was the, the depression, the anxiety, the physical, like just everything in my body was screaming. I did not have the expert advice and it it drove me into gut health. So like what, you know, this is the way God works, right? I was like, I cannot believe how much pain I'm in. So again, I'm going to say this, 
please seek expert advice, guidance, MD or a nutritionist like Tay, because you, you really need to do this. There's a way to do this, to replenish the body, to ease the symptoms and to not go through hell. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Okay, Michaela, I am fully frustrated with my kids, whom I love more than life itself. However, as their mom, I feel like an absolute failure, and I can't seem to find the time to get us all organized and even have meaningful conversations. I feel like everyone is so busy. I'm so overwhelmed, so drained. Help me. Yes, get that off your chest. As the busy mom, I get it. I have found that when I am stressed and feeling stuck, the best thing to do is ask for help. Perhaps book a therapy session. Therapy is for everyone, every human desiring to feel better, live better, and learn how to solve life's most pressing problems and concerns in real time. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and very convenient. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you could switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash SoberGirls today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash SoberGirls. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And we talk about this in the mastermind all the time, right? That uh, you'd want to be increasing protein. You need to be drinking more water. We need to be increasing calories and looking while we're eating. It's not just about not drinking, it's yeah. about it's giving a lifestyle. body the support it needs. Yeah. It's creating a lifestyle that will sustain you feeling well. And it's mental, you know, doing things for your mental health, spiritual health, physical health, all of the things. And I know it might sound overwhelming, right? But we can tell you it's really not. It's really nourishing to know that you can go to things that will truly support you and you will feel better and better and better every single day. I still, to this day, I feel like I feel a hundred times better than I did when I was 20. I'm mentally strong. I feel really good in my body, like all of the things. Mm -hmm. And we're all designed this way. Mm -hmm. You know, I never told either of you this, but there's a, I just thought of it now, actually. There's a rehab facility um, a few hours away from where I am that's holistic. And it's run by like naturopathic doctors. And of course, like other people who can help with the withdrawals, because same thing with alcohol depending on how much you drink you can't just start stop cold turkey that could be very dangerous right and so this facility one it helps with this withdrawal and the transition of going from drinking to not drinking and it does this through all these holistic practices at looking at diet looking at gut health all these things and when I was in school you have to do a co-op and I'd actually applied there to do my co-op which is just so funny that then I ended up in a very similar mastermind that provides all these resources. But I applied there and I got it, but then COVID happened and it was an in-person co-op. And so I never did that as my co-op and I ended up doing something virtual as well. But I just remembered that as we're having this conversation. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I love that. I'd love to know what is your, what was your experience in the mastermind and how did it help you? 
Oh my gosh. Because you were already doing a lot of the things, right? But like, how did this sort of plug in help you? Yeah. So I, when I went to school, so 2015 was when I went to school, you obviously learn about the impact that alcohol has on the body during school, right? Um, the way it's going to impact the liver, the way it's going to increase information, uh, inflammation in the body, how it impacts neurotransmitters, like stomach acid, the large intestine, like all everything. <laughs> it's based, you're ingesting poison, right? Like we know that. Um, and so it was interesting because as I was going through school, Yes, I knew that about alcohol and it curbed my drinking a little bit, but not completely. Like there was other things that kind of freaked me out more like birth control, for example. When I was in the program, I was like, oh my God, I need to get up birth control. This is so freaky. And I think it's because of just how normalized alcohol is and how it's such a big part of our culture, right? So I went through school and I obviously decreased like I wasn't self-medicating with alcohol anymore um, especially as my mental health improved but I still drank a lot and I was able Mm -hmm. to completely overcome my mental health struggles without eliminating alcohol and then as I started to practice and build my Instagram and you know just become the anti-anxiety nutritionist online I was still drinking and my body was rejecting the alcohol. Like anytime I would drink, I would just throw up. I would throw up all the time, even if I didn't drink that much, or even if I drank, you know, tried to moderate my drinking and would just have like maybe like a few drinks on date night with my partner, I would feel like absolute garbage the next day even if it wasn't a traditional hangover. And then it was like, oh, well, now I can't like make these reels for Instagram, which is how I move my business forward because I feel like garbage. And then I developed such bad imposter syndrome. And then the straw that broke the camel's back. And when I joined the mastermind last March was my day job. I work for the government in Canada. My, I'm an admin assistant and they went on strike. And this is like my source of income right now, right? Is my day job. This is how I pay my rent. This is how I buy my groceries and um, buy my supplements, like everything like I need. And so that was so stressful and scary to me because we got strike pay, but it was way less. And I didn't know how long it would go on for. Um, I didn't even want to go on strike, but I felt like, you know, I had to go on strike. Everyone else was doing it. And so I actually called my partner. It was a Wednesday. And I remember this so vividly because one of the checkpoints is close to my house. So I was walking over to the checkpoint and I had been dabbling in sober podcasts because for a while I was like, I don't want to drink anymore. But every weekend would come around and I would have a couple drinks on Friday and a couple drinks on Saturday. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore, you know, but I couldn't just stop. And so your podcast was the one that I was listening to as I was walking. We had to walk for four hours, you know, do our four hour shifts every day on strike. And I just like was binging your podcast. And then I came home from walking the picket line and I called my partner and I was, I never call him like when he's at work, I've I've never called him for anything. I just wait till he comes home or I just deal with it myself. You know, I'm like so independent. And so I called him at work and I was just so hysterical and so stressed and about everything. And then he came home with a bag of beers from our favorite brewery. And he was like, here you go. And it was in that moment. And I don't know if it was just like, everything leading up to this for me, where I know there's 
much healthier ways to manage your stress. I don't know if it was that coupled with listening to your podcast for four hours, but in that moment when he gave me those beers, that's when I was like, oh, like this is, I don't know. Like, I don't want my partner's reaction when I'm stressed to be like, she needs a drink. (laughs) you know, and I don't want to self-medicate anymore. And I don't want to. And then all of a sudden it was like, I was having all these flashbacks of all the times that I was stressed. And my solution was to open a bottle of wine or to go get a beer. And I like, this is what I do. I help women with their stress management or their anxiety. Right. So I was just like that, like, I need to walk the walk. I need to walk the talk. I need to, like, I can't do this anymore. My dad's an alcoholic. And so obviously I have, that has, that's what I've seen for my whole life as well, where it's like, this is just how we handle stress, you know? And that was just like my breaking point. And then I signed up, like, instead of drinking the beer, I signed up for the mastermind. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And then a few months later, I was, um, in the beginning, I really leaned in like heavily. Like I was like every weekend, every week, I was like getting the support, getting the support, getting the support. And then a few months later in June, I was at my best friend's wedding. I went to the bachelorette. I went to the wedding. I didn't drink at all. And I remember having this conversation with my partner. This answers your question, I promise. But we're sitting at a bar and I'm just having um, like a mocktail and he's having a beer and we're in London. And I was telling him about sharing about the mastermind. I was messaging with you all in the mastermind while sitting at this bar and just celebrating. I was sending pictures of my mocktails and celebrating that I had done the bachelorette with no alcohol and all of these things. And I told him like how grateful I was for this community. And he was like, oh, how often do you message them? And I was like, every day, like on this trip, you know, and he was like, oh, I didn't realize that you were struggling that much. And I said, I'm not struggling. I I just have a community of women who get it and who are there to celebrate with me. And as much as my partner is supportive and my friends are kind of like, cool, amazing, you don't drink anymore. Me texting them every day being like, I didn't have a drink today. I'm on vacation. Like, it's not the same. You know, like they don't get it. They're just like, okay, cool, like whatever. But having this community of other women who are trying to live the life that I'm trying to live and who really get it and to celebrate with you every single day. Like I messaged in that group, like every day on that trip, And I think that made the world of difference in terms of me not being like, oh, I'm on vacation. Oh, it's my best friend's wedding. Let me just like have a glass of champagne, you know? And as you know, as the months went by, I was less and less and less active in the group. But for me, it was just like, it was just like the security blanket of like, I need people who get it. And there's nobody in my life who is going to get it on that level. Because there's nobody in my life. I have my gro- my best friend who w- like went to rehab and she's been sober for 10 years. And, you know, that's amazing. And I can definitely message her and we can celebrate and stuff. But it's just not the same as having like this group of women who are chatting every single day. Who just, and like, everyone is everyone else is celebrating too. So you yeah. realize every time you get a ping or like you get, you know, you go into the app, you realize like how important this is. Because we slip out, our mind slips out of this consciousness of like, okay, this is what we're doing. Like, why are we really doing this? And it's so easy to slip up when you don't have a community like this. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be ours, but I think community is essential for, you know, when, especially in the beginning. I mean, like you said, it's sort of weaved out where you didn't need to be as active because 
you have rewired mm-hmm. your brain and your patterns and it changed you. Yeah. And clearly, uh, like, I knew the impact it was having on my body. I wanted to stop and I wasn't able to. Like, I hadn't. It had been years. I learned about how bad alcohol was for you in 2015. (laughs) And I joined the mastermind in 2023, right? So it had been years of me being like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And then drinking the next day, just like feeling the shame and just being like, even if I'm not hungover, even if I just had two drinks and I'm just like, ugh, I just like, I'm like, I don't feel good. Now I don't want to work on my business. And then it's like shame spiral, you know, you're just like, why did I friggin' do that? And what it took for me at that point was the last missing piece was finding community and just getting that support. Because um, we all we all have the information. We know it's not good for us. But information. I think the, yeah. yeah but, and then the other piece is your family and friends are not going to celebrate with you that you're not drinking. They might say, yay. But then behind that, there might be some like shame of them still drinking. So it might not be such a smooth uh, tr- you know, tr- like energy between you two, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to talk to people who are like actually genuinely excited that you're not drinking. It is huge. Yeah. It's- people who get it. It's the same with, it's so important to have other friends who are also entrepreneurs online because again, my family's supportive. My friends are supportive. My partner's supportive, but they're not trying to build businesses online. And they have so no they don't, idea. Yeah. They have no idea. So they can be like, oh, cool, amazing. But they don't know how long it takes. Like, oh my gosh, I sent out that email. They were like, yay. You know, but yeah. it's like, it took us yeah. all day <laughs> or whatever. Literally. And yeah. so it's so important. And I also believe that community is, and I get asked this all the time, you know, um, what I think was the biggest piece that really helped me um, to finally kind of conquer the anxiety, the depression, the panic. And I say community. I was in school and you don't have to be in school to do this. You know, this is why I have a group coaching program. Like I think I don't even like, I encourage people not to do one-on-one if they want to do one-on-one cool, but I really encourage them to get in the group because I think that the community is the most important part when you're trying to make changes to your diet and lifestyle and you're trying to stop drinking and had I not been in school and actually physically going to a class with ev- women every single day who were maybe not working on their mental health, but they were working on other health things and they were making changes and we got to come together, you know, four days a week and talk about our challenges and support each other and talk about how hard it is that this person in our life doesn't get it or our partner's not also making the changes and we have to be like the odd ones out and Having other people who get it and could be like, you know, like, this is what I do. This is what's helped me. This is a mindset shift. Like, all of that stuff. Personally, I don't really know anyone who does it without community. I'm just like, how did you do that? <laughs> I don't that think- enjoyable either. Yeah. yeah. though, I think, like, you can do it for a little bit, but you will fall back. Yeah. And that's, it's so funny because that's the AA model. Like, that's, it's all community and sharing your story, sharing your pain. So that you can help another say, wait, me too. And if she can do it, I can do it. And what's so cool, Tay, like when you were sharing about the mastermind, I'm like, we get so excited for you. It is like, it's like you, we are living vicariously through you. Like you can do this. That's amazing. I remember my first wedding that I went to that I didn't drink. Like we want you to get it. It's not that we just get it. We want you to win. And that energy is being like transmuted Mm -hmm. and completely 
different experience. And you have to have community. You have to have community who's been there, done that, and is living it. And I also think the aspirational piece for me is so powerful because when I, I go into AA or into our mastermind, I look at these incredible women who inspire me. I'm like, I'm staying right here. I am not picking up today. Like, I want this. I want this so badly. And look how hard she worked to get here. And like, look what she's doing now. I love to be inspired. And you have to find that in a, a community of like-minded individuals. And so I'm like, yes, to I all know. of it. It seems so small. Like that's what that conversation with my partner when we were sitting at that bar in London made me think of like, cause he was, he was like, really? Like you need to talk to them all the time. And I was like, I know it seems small, but don't underestimate the power of community because that was what moved the needle for me. And now it's been almost a year and I've had two drinks in a year. And both of those drinks were an experiment for yeah. me to see if I would even still like it. And I hated it. It was disgusting. <laughs> one was one of my favorite beers that I was like, felt like I was choking. Like I literally was like, like as if I used to drink this. And another one was over the holidays, um, like a really nice bottle of wine. And same thing. I took two sips and then I dumped it down the drain. And I was just like, I don't even like this anymore because and I, I know I've shared this with you, but I'll share it for the podcast as well. I didn't know what my intention was. I didn't know if it was like, I'm never going to drink again. I'm going to be sober. Most of my colleagues in the health and wellness space don't drink or they'll have like one glass of champagne a year or like one glass of wine at Christmas. They drink so minimally because they understand the impact that it has on your body. Right. And so I just always thought that's what I would do. Like I would eventually get to a place where it's like maybe one or two drinks a year kind of thing. Not every single weekend like I was doing as a practitioner. (laughs) Um, But that little experiment for me over the holidays of trying these two drinks that I used to really, really, really enjoy and being absolutely like repulsed by it. Now I'm just like, I'm, I don't, I don't think I'll ever try that again. Like, I don't think I, I can't imagine a situation where I'd be like, oh yeah, I really want that, you know, because I tried it, I did it, it was disgusting. And I think my entire perspective around alcohol has just changed. Like, I just don't, I don't even have a taste for it anymore. A miracle. It's amazing. And it's possible for all. Mm -hmm. It truly is possible for all. And um, I want to touch a little bit on nutrition. You Mm -hmm. are a nutrition coach. So let's Let's give our listeners a couple tips um, for reducing anxiety. And I think it also ties in with choosing a sober life because if you are drinking alcohol, that does induce anxiety, right? Yeah. So like it all kind of works. And and the general things that I, I like to follow, it's like, you know, adding in protein at every meal and like the beans, like, like you mentioned, but like, are there any other things that we can be doing day to day? For sure. Before, let me just explain my definition of anxiety because it plays into this. And you mentioned drinking alcohol induces anxiety. And so I do want to make it very clear that even though I say that I've eliminated an anxiety disorder, a panic disorder, and depression, it does not mean that I do not feel the normal human motion of anxiety a few times a year. And one of the times I used to feel that was after I drank. 
So that was another reason too, where it's like, okay, I'm the anxiety nutritionist. I'm like, this is how you don't have anxiety. And then here I am at a Christmas party. I had one too many drinks and I'm spending the entire next day crippled with anxiety, right? Like there's a disconnect here. So to me, and in terms of the work that I do is I help women eliminate an anxiety disorder and chronic anxiety. And I get a lot of questions where it's like, well, what's chronic anxiety? Chronic anxiety is anxiety that you feel either daily or every single month before your period because it's quote unquote part of PMS, right? Or it's the level of anxiety that it's not brought on necessarily by an obvious trigger and it doesn't move out of your body quickly. So the normal human emotion of anxiety is like, okay, this really stressful thing happened to me. I was almost in a car accident. And so now I feel really anxious every time I get into the car for a little bit, but I don't feel anxiety any other time in my day, in my life. I do some breath work you know, and then the anxiety passes or it's easily resolved within a few hours kind of thing. Or, you know, your boss says something that's really triggering and really stressful and you start to feel a little anxious and you do some breath work, you go have that conversation with your boss, all good, you feel better afterwards. Like that's normal anxiety. That's an emotion. Everybody's going to feel it, even people who've never experienced an anxiety disorder. Chronic anxiety and an anxiety disorder, you don't have to actually be diagnosed to experience chronic anxiety. It doesn't move out of your body quickly. And that's the biggest thing. This is where you can do all the breath work you want and you're still going to feel anxious. Like it's just, it's not getting out of your body and it's hanging around sometimes for days, weeks, months, years for some people like with me, right? So that's kind of how I see the difference. And Chronic anxiety is a symptom that can be eliminated and regular anxiety, the human emotion of anxiety is an emotion. It's a feeling and we don't want to eliminate that. We just want to get better at feeling our fucking feelings, you know? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. It's, so, which is really hard, but once you lean in, it's, it it's really, really hard. And it that's really one works. of the hardest things about living an alcohol-free life is you feel everything. Yeah. <laughs> That should be a bumper sticker for all of us. Feel it. Yeah. My sweater says, feel your fucking feelings. You can't see it. I love that sweater. Right? I just bought it on the weekend. I love it. (laughs) Okay. So now that we've talked about, you know, what's normal anxiety, what's not normal anxiety, what are some major things that can really make a difference if we're talking about um, diet and nutrition? So protein. As you said, protein is single-handedly probably one of the best things that you can do to support your mental health, to reduce your depression, to reduce your anxiety, to reduce your panic disorder or panic attacks. So high protein and specifically, it's not just like, because people are like, well, what does high protein mean, right? So ideally you want about one gram of protein per pound of like lean body mass or ideal body mass. There's different ways that you can say it or do this calculation. I'll use myself as an example. So I'm 5'7 and I weigh 150-ish. I haven't, I weigh myself once a year when I go to the doctor. (laughs) So I'm somewhere around 150. Um, For my height, um, I'm also working on building muscle right now. So muscle weighs more. So that could change and my weight can fluctuate, right? So 
between 130 and 150 is a good weight. In my mind, I'd be happy with that for my height. And so that means that every single day I aim to eat between 130 and 150 grams of protein. And so that's part one. Mm -hmm. Part two is the dosage and the timing per meal is just as important. So what a lot of people do is they tend to eat most of their protein at the end of the day. So breakfast will be really low in protein because it'll maybe just be like two or three eggs, let's say. And one egg is about six grams of protein. So maybe they're having 12 to 18 grams of protein for breakfast if they're just having some eggs and, you know, some veggies, like an omelet or something like that. Um, Or oatmeal. A lot of people are having oatmeal, which is very low in protein, right? So then it'll be like low protein for breakfast, maybe medium protein for lunch. Maybe you're having, um, and this is kind of standard American diet I'm talking about here. So maybe you're having a sandwich with some kind of meat on it. Uh, Maybe you're having a salad with uh, some chicken breast or some salmon or something like that. Um, Maybe you're having pasta with some, so it's like medium protein. And then the end of the day is you, is it's like, okay, this is like the steak and veggies, right? So this is the high protein. We call it like bookending your protein. And so let's say you're doing all that and you're like, okay, I hit my 130 grams of protein. That's great. But there's a second part to this equation here, which is just as important. And it's that every single meal needs to be, depending on your protein goals, between 30 and 50 grams of protein per meal. And that is so important. And if all you're doing is getting your protein, but you're not doing this 30 to 50 grams of protein per meal, you're not going to have the same results because we need that much protein per meal to balance our blood sugar, which is like the number one thing that everybody needs to be focusing on if they're struggling with their mental health. Right. And so what are some of your favorite protein sources? So I am a huge advocate for not eating breakfast food for breakfast (laughs) and to just getting out of that mindset that breakfast needs to be breakfast food, like, you know, oatmeal and muffins and and pancakes and cereal and stuff, which is a very kind of westernized way of eating, where if you look at a lot of other cultures, they, whatever they eat for lunch and dinner, they'll eat for breakfast. Like there's no, there's nothing that differentiates Mm -hmm. what they eat for breakfast based on what they eat for other meals. And so that's what I do is what I, I eat, I call the meal one, meal two, meal three, because I love that. Yeah. There's no difference. They're just meals. And so sometimes I will eat something that I ate for dinner for my first meal or for lunch for my first meal. Right. So I personally eat a lot of sausages for my first meal, which is breakfast food technically. (laughs) Right. That's another thing that I got from you too. And I love it because it's, it's quick. I don't have Mm -hmm. to like you know, it's not a lot of prep work, right? Mm-hmm. So I just make sure that I get really clean, always look at the ingredients that you're not yes. getting extra additives. But, you know, Trader Joe's Whole Foods has a whole bunch of like amazing options. And even my daughter loves it. So I'll have it for breakfast or lunch or dinner, whatever. But like adding that in it really, you know, one link is what 11, 12 grams of protein. And it does add up when you have other things as well. Mm-hmm. And you can make your own. Like I will make, um, I'll get ground turkey and I'll get an apple and I'll just like shave Ooh. my apple on a cheese grater and I'll make patties. So they're not lo- links, but they're patties. There are so <laughs> many. Michaela's so I know. Oh, because I love I love cooking. So yeah, yes. this is great. 
Uh, so yeah. I'm a nutritionist who hates cooking, but I, it's so important to me that I feel good. And so I just do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there are so many different kind of breakfast patties you can make if you're really kind of stuck on that breakfast food lane, um, bringing things like chicken and turkey and making your own patties with apples or, you know, apple pie spice, things like that. But even like people will be like, well, what about chia seed pudding? Still not high enough in protein. But if you really want that chia seed pudding, then get maybe have some sausages and then your chia seed pudding, right? Mm -hmm. Like your food, I, this is another thing I say, your meals don't have to make sense. They don't have to match each other. They just need to have a protein they need to have veggies with fiber and they need to have some fat. And so I eat like smorgasbord stuff all the time that literally makes no sense, but that's just what I want to eat because I love chia seed puddings. And guess what? They're super high in omega fatty acids, which is amazing. Your neurotransmitter receptor sites are made out of these. So super important for your brain health, super important for reducing inflammation. And inflammation is one of the root causes of all mental health disorders. So amazing. Going to be high in fat. It's going to be nice and high in fiber. Perfect. But where's the protein? <laughs> and I think it's really hard to overeat when you are focusing on getting a hundred grams of protein plus whatever. It's really hard to overeat other things. Yeah. <laughs> and it really makes you first. full. Yeah, yeah. It makes you eat full. your protein first. Um, cause it really does fill you up and help you balance your blood sugar. And yeah, like I literally will die on this hill. Like, please, 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 please eat protein and please eat enough protein with all of your meals and eat your protein first. And then we'll build the rest of our, our meals around that. And your meals don't have to make sense and you can eat anything for breakfast. <laughs> so your clients get a really big shift when they do include the protein huge. Yeah. Like I have seen, obviously everyone's timeline is going to be different because it is going to depend on their, um, their life and their lifestyle and how many changes they have to make and their level of commitment or what they really realistically have time for. Right. I have seen somebody go from multiple panic attacks to no panic attacks in as short as two weeks by focusing on balancing their blood sugar. So increasing their protein, getting lots of fiber in, getting fiber with all of their meals. I call it eating uninterrupted fiber. So having, I like to do it with beans and legumes. I love beans and legumes. I have it with every single meal. I'm a boring eater. I just, to me, I'm just like, okay, let's go. Like, I I'm love really your busy. meals. Yeah, I'm really busy. I, and so yeah. I'm just like, I just need to know that every meal is going to have a protein. Every meal is going to have a bean or a legume and every meal is going to have a veggie. I love that. Um, let's talk about strength training. Yes. As well, because that's another big one, right? Yes. Yes. So this is something that has recently shifted for me. So the research around this is really starting to pick up. An excellent resource for everybody is the book Forever Strong by Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. Um, she does so much research in this area and she has her, uh, she's a medical doctor and she has, um, muscle centric medicine is her kind of like trademarked approach. And so what a lot of people don't understand about their muscle health is it's not just about the way you look. It's not just about aesthetics. Muscle health is how you keep your hormones balanced because it's an endocrine organ. So it is actually going to be very difficult 
dare I say, impossible to balance your hormones or bring your hormones into alignment or to have healthy hormonal levels if you are not focusing on muscle health. And that doesn't mean like, oh, I need to, I'm going to become jacked because muscle health is going to be different for everybody, right? Like they're what makes their muscles healthy. But a huge part of this is eating protein because you cannot have good muscle health without enough protein. And you also can't have good muscle health without training your muscles. So doing some kind of resistance exercise for your muscles. So this is like, I'm the biggest advocate for this. And this is something that uh, has changed from, you know, in 2015, I didn't know this. I didn't know the importance of this. So I was doing a lot of yoga, a lot of meditation. I was doing my yoga teacher training. um, And I just kind of thought that lifting weights was for like the gym bros, you know, like I, when I was in my early twenties, my boyfriend at the time was really into eating protein and lifting weights. And I was literally just like, oh my gosh, like eye roll, like you're the stereotypical gym bro, the stereotypical gym bro. And now I'm just like, oh man, like what, imagine how different things would have been for me if I had just been like, hey, show me how to do this, you know, and I had just done what he was doing a decade ago. But you know, (laughs) hindsight's always 2020. So now I'm really passionate about just smashing that stereotype around lifting weights for women. And like, it's not just for people who want to do bikini competitions and all of that stuff. Like this is something that the everyday woman really needs to be focusing on. And In the beginning, that can look like body weights, right? You're not just going to jump into the gym and start lifting crazy heavy weights all of a sudden. That can look like just learning the movements with your body weight. That could also look like some Pilates with those ankle weights and little weights, right? But eventually, you need to continue to graduate and you need to continue to move up and you're continually looking to get stronger. And not only are you going to get stronger in your physical body, you're going to get so much stronger mentally because you're building resilience. You're doing something hard three times a week and you're literally showing your body, you're showing your nervous system, you're showing your unconscious mind, I can do hard things. And I Uh, always end up being so happy on those days, like extremely talkative and happy. And I'm like, hi, I'm life. Yeah. There's that lasts longer with, so you're speaking my life. So Fun fact, I started lifting weights, brace yourselves, guys, when I was 10 years old. So I'm I'm that person. I've been lifting my entire life on and off and because I was an athlete. Yes, and- I love that. And Dr. Gabrielle talks about that. She's like, children can lift weights and they should. I do. We're very competitive. And so I, and so now I'm really back in the gym three times a week with, and I'm lifting, I just left there actually, heavy weights for my frame. The high, Michaela, is proven that it lasts longer than any other exercise. So you yeah. are going to get hit of those feel-good chemicals and it lasts. That's what we're craving. And so like to remember that, like, yes, you're going to put it in. It's hard, but you feel that high, that power mentally, physically for so much longer. And everyone can do it. And Tay, I love that you said too, just begin with your body weight, begin with ankle weights. And then you do want to keep pushing the body because we're all in training for something, whatever it is, life is hard. So if you go do your heart in the gym first and you're like, I can do anything, you are like fortified physically and emotionally and mentally and spiritually. It's all one. Mm-hmm. And payoff is huge. And I'm excited about this book. I'm going to check it out. But um, 
before I know, so we, we hit the strength training, we hit the protein. I know you're all about the gut health. I know you were mentioning the fiber and the veggies, but like, what's your gut health protocol look like? Yes. So what my gut health protocol now looks like is obviously very different than back then because I'm not on as many supplements as I was when I had some actual imbalances that needed to be addressed. Now I'm in a maintenance phase, right? So in the beginning, we're looking at stomach acid, which is usually depleted in most women who have anxiety. Uh, We're looking at their liver, usually needs a lot of support, especially for women, especially if there's a history of birth control use, especially if there's a history of any medication use. Liver needs, and drinking, history of drinking, right? Liver absolutely needs support. We're looking at the lining of the small intestine as well. Um, This is the primary site of nutrient absorption. And this is where a lot of inflammation is happening, depending on the food we're eating, the medication we're taking, the amount of alcohol we're drinking, all of these things. And we're looking at the large intestine, which is home to our neurotransmitter building gut bugs. So this is where I always tell people to start. And there's this start, when I say start, I mean, look at diet, look at lifestyle, look at how this is influencing these four core pillars of gut health. And then also we can look at supplementation. So if we're just talking about diet and lifestyle, and these are things that I personally do to this day, because once you rebalance your gut, that now you have to maintain it, right? Like we're always looking at maintaining our health and being proactive. Like now my thing, my goal is I'm 33 and I'm just like, okay, I'm going to do all these things now because when I go through perimenopause, I'm going to crush perimenopause. Like I'm going to have the best perimenopause ever because I lift weights. I eat high protein. I have a daily stress management practice. So now I'm just like thinking proactively <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Brilliant. all these other different seasons of my life. But number one, hydration. So are you drinking enough water for your body? So half your body weight in ounces of water a day minimum. And I like to take that up a notch and say mineralized water, because just because you're drinking water doesn't mean that it's actually getting into the cells and actually hydrating the cells. We need electrolytes to do that. So I like to put Redmond Real Salt, which you'll see me doing on Instagram all the time, uh, just like a little bit, a quarter- yeah, a quarter teaspoon so per liter of water. If you're, just- I put it in my daughter's water too. Totally. For school water, she's she's used to it. Already. At first, she was like, "Mom, well, the salt water again," and now she's like, mm, "It's yummy because you retrain your taste buds, and yes. you you know when it's actually good for you, your body will crave it. But it takes some time to adjust, right?" Yeah. And if you need to start with like those uh, electrolyte packages, do that, like element, you know, something like that. Um, Do that because there's a little bit of stevia. So, you know, there's a little bit of sweetener in there. But I always tell people if you're, if you taste the salt, you're probably putting too much because I don't taste it at all. Or you just have to go lower and slower. Um, You're not actually going to be chugging salty water like you're at the beach. You're just going to be mouthful of water. They also have those trace mineral mineral drops. That's like a blue packaging. And I've had Mm -hmm. that as well. Yeah, that's really good. Has lots of minerals that you can read, you know, because if you're drinking filtered water, it takes out the good and the bad, right? So now we have to like add the good in. And this is a great way to do it. Exactly. So many good things. So herbal teas are also a great alternative as well. Not caffeinated, but herbal because those are going to be herbs are chock full of nutrients, right? So you can either drink water with electrolytes or a little bit of some good quality sea salt, or you can drink, um, 
herbal teas. And that I just say, don't drink plain water. That's my thing. I'm like, don't drink plain water if you can avoid it. If you're out at a restaurant, get some lemon and lime and squeeze it in there. Yeah. Now you have minerals in your water, right? So hydration is so important. It's going to support your stomach acid levels. It's going to support the lining of your small intestine. It's going to support your gut bugs that are building your neurotransmitters. And you're going to be giving your body key minerals that it needs, like magnesium, potassium, calcium, B vitamins, vitamin C, that your body actually needs to build neurotransmitters. Your neurotransmitters are built from amino acids. Protein breaks down into amino acids. And cofactors, so vitamins and minerals, like the ones I just mentioned, that's what's actually building your neurotransmitters. So if you're not giving your body those nutrients, your body can't go build you neurotransmitters. It just can't, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's my first main point is the hydration. Number two is eating a diet that's high in whole foods and lower in processed foods. So I like to think of it this way high in earth-made foods that come from the earth, low in man-made foods that are made by man, high in foods that are ingredients, lower in foods that have a lot of ingredients. It's like an easy way because people get really tripped up over like, well, what's a whole food? So I find explaining it that way is very helpful. Um, and it doesn't have to be 100%. Like, listen, nobody's chasing perfection here. Perfection doesn't exist. I have seen so much success with about a 70-30 rule. Some people maybe more of an 80-20. I myself yo-yo. Like some weeks I'm like, I am 100%. Like some weeks I'm just like, oh, every single meal was like high in protein, high in fiber, had some healthy fats. There was no gluten. You know, there was no dairy. There was no sugar. Like some weeks it looks like that. It's rare, but it does. Yeah. And then other weeks it's like 90% or 80% or 70%. Well, it depends how social you are. depends how much yes. stress you have. And we, yeah, we, we go with it. Exactly. And for, um, a visual or for clarity, 70 to 80% would look like four to six meals a week. You are maybe indulging in some food for pleasure, right? We have food for nutrition and food for nourishment. And then we have food for pleasure and four to six meals. That's a good amount. Like I like that. Not restrictive. No, I like that. That's doable. I love that plan. So doable, right? Um, number three was high protein, which we've talked about. Yeah. So, you know, this is key for liver support, which is huge uh, for anyone who's also looking to stop drinking alcohol as well, right? The liver really, really, really needs to be nourished and supported. And it can't do this if you're not eating enough protein because amino acids are fueling liver detox and liver support, fueling yeah. it. Yeah. So you absolutely need to be eating enough protein for this to happen. And then of course, protein is the building blocks for your neurotransmitters and the muscle health, like we talked about. And then number four is a daily stress management practice, not as needed daily, every single day. Yes. <laughs> and this can look different for a bunch of people. So I'll give you an example of what mine looks like. And then I'd love to hear you two share yours because I know this is something we talk about a lot and we very much agree on. But so for me, my daily stress management practice looks like I go for a walk pretty much every single day, like pretty much every single day. I'm getting outside for a walk and getting some sunlight. Sometimes that walk is long. It's an hour. Sometimes it's a quick 20 minute walk, depending on my day. But at least five to six days a week, I'm trying to get out there for at least 45 minutes to an hour. 
I will say usually on Sundays, I'm just like, eh, it's my lazy day, you know? So a daily walk is really important. I have a daily breathwork practice. I think that's non-negotiable and that can look like many different things. It can look like meditation. It can look like just focusing on your breathing while you're doing the dishes, you know, uh, it can be yoga nidra, like it switches up for me. Sometimes I'm sitting in formal meditation every single day. Other times I'm walking with nothing, no music, no podcast, and I'm focusing on my breathing. I'll be doing the dishes. I have a dishwasher. I still love to do the dishes um, because that is a mindfulness moment for me where I will just tune in. And I've been doing that since when I was in university and I didn't have a dishwasher. It's one of the things my therapist's told me to do that I actually did (laughs) and I still do it like to this day um so daily walk getting outside fresh air sunlight even if it's not sunny the sun is still there we still want to go outside um sleep getting enough sleep is a daily stress management tool a daily stress management practice so that's something that I'm very serious about is being asleep, lights out, no electronics by 10 o'clock, absolutely latest, 60 to 90 minutes before bed, I'm winding down, I'm off my electronics, I'm not on my electronics for at least the first 30 minutes in the morning. That is a daily stress management practice. Um, Not daily tools I use is weightlifting three to four times a week. It's not daily, you know, but it's an excellent stress management practice. But what I really want to drive home is the daily stress management practice. So those are my core three things is the sleep, the breath work in some form and getting outside and moving my body outside. Yeah. I love that. I think we're subscribed to like a similar program (laughs) because I do all of those things as well. I do daily walk for about an hour. I started incorporating weights as well yoga, meditation, breath work. And for me, it's reading in the morning. I need to like prime my brain, prime my heart, prime my spiritual body to just take on this day in the best way that I can. So I do that through reading and then legs up, as you guys all know, is oh, my I favorite. love legs up the wall, legs up the wall <laughs> every single day. I sometimes do it three times a day. And I actually, I'll post this on my stories. I have an inversion table in my room. And so I started doing, it's like a headstand sort of inversion thing. And I go Mm -hmm. into that uh, probably three times a day and I just have it out now. I used to have it in my closet, but as we all know, we have to have things visible for us to get triggered to do certain things. (laughs) So I just have it out and my daughter actually jumps into it as well. She does inversions as well. So that one is a lot of fun as well. I love that. And that's so good for your like skin too, as you look like you're 10, but and your lymphatic system. Oh Yeah. Yes. <sighs> All the hot stuff. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I mean, the only thing is same. I loved how you said when you first wake up, no phone, like that's my time. God readings, prayer, meditation. And then I like visit that three times a day, like the breath work, the prayer, the gratitude, and just, you know, today, like more, I'm seeking beauty more. And that's really helps with my stress, like seeking, like, <gasps> There's so much beauty and good that and I focus there and I'm not noticing the chaos. There's always going to be chaos. There's always going to be wrong with the world, but there's so much right. And I'm just so I'm trying to like saturate myself in that beauty and, and just more gratitude. And that brings my nervous system to like a boom, boom versus I'm here to save the world. No, God has it. Like you are just going, I'm going to be like witness, bear witness to all the good things. Um, but very similar weights, Pilates, 
walking the puppy. Um, yeah, like just all the little things that make up a really strong practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A foundation. And this is, you know, I'll ask my clients this all the time. Like, what do you do for stress management? And they'll be like, well, I have a trip planned in a few weeks and, you know, Ooh. I take a bath a few times a week. And I'm like, no, what do you do every single day for stress management? And that I find is the the missing piece because you nailed it, Aaron. You said there's always going to be chaos. We live in a modern world. We cannot eliminate stress. It is literally zero impossible to do that. And so we have to work daily on a stress management practice so that when things come at us and when life lifes us, instead of reacting, we are able to pause and respond. And the pause is the most powerful part because that's the difference between picking up the drink or not picking up the drink, right? Well, just like we eat, just like we brush our teeth and shower, like there are certain things we need to do. Yeah, it's it's hygiene. Yeah, it is. It's spiritual stress, (laughs) mental health hygiene. And I think it's essential we we figure out what it is for each of us individually. Oh my God. I love talking to you. Love, love, love. I think this is the longest podcast we've ever done. (laughs) I think it's over an hour and we're actually jumping on to go on your podcast. So share with our audience where they can find you and all of the things. And also Tay will be speaking in our mastermind, I think sometime in March. So you can jump in there and and talk a little bit deeper with her. Yes. Um, so really Instagram is kind of my main thing. It's at tay.jandro. Uh, and then my website is www.tayjandro.com. I have tons of like freebies and stuff on there if you want to dip your toes in this work. But honestly, really Instagram, shoot me a message. Let me know what you're struggling with. And I'll point you in the direction of like my podcast episode that talks on that or something. I And, and if I don't have an episode on it, I will make one. And that's just like my favorite thing to do is just like, tell me what you're struggling with. I probably have a resource on it and I'll give it to you. <laughs> Amazing. And the link for all of that will be in the show notes. So you can go and follow her. Highly recommend. And if you enjoy this episode, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. And you can also follow us at Two Sober Girls Podcast. And thank you, Tay, for joining us. Uh, We will talk soon and we'll see everybody in a week. Love you. Thank you. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.